Holy, O oh God, you are merciful and you are great. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Well, I am thankful to be here with you all. And, uh, you know, we are rapidly running towards October. So that usually makes me think of snow because that's November and December. And I don't know, the year seems to fly by so quick. We got cool, crisp mornings and fall colors are rolling in. Um, and so, yeah. Well, if we could turn, I want to go to a couple of books today. I want to go to the book of John. Uh, we're going to look at a bit of chapter 7, chapter 8. We're going to tail over into 1 Corinthians, uh, mainly in chapter 8 there. We'll touch a little bit of chapter 6. Uh, but I do want to open up, we'll open up with 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Um, verse 9 says, But take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to them that are weak. Take heed lest that liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to them that are weak. And I think I also will go ahead and highlight, um, we'll highlight 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. And it starts out and it says, All things are lawful unto me. All things are lawful unto me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Oh God, speak into our hearts and lives. Lord, we want to be changed by you. We want to be encouraged by you. We want to draw closer to you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Today, I would like to talk to you about what will you do with freedom? What will you do with freedom? And I toy around with titles, and, and sometimes I can't really grasp exactly what, what I'd like to have in that title, so both maybe it'll stick in your mind, but also uh, represent properly or adequately where where I'm coming from today, and so I put down, I choose to be free, I choose to be free, and that doesn't quite encompass it, although it sticks into your mind just a little bit more, at least it does in my mind, uh, I choose to be free, I mean, we are Americans, and we have the 4th of July, and Independence Day, and freedom, and, and our singularness of uh, kind of independence that we see about our own lives, it, it runs through and through our culture, our personalities, um, but I choose to be free. And what will you do with freedom? What will you do with freedom? We could take that title a lot of directions um, and uh, uh, go a lot of different places with it. Uh, but just stay with me today and, and we'll see where, where God takes us here. And so I'd like to flip back over and we're going to go to the book of John. In the book of John chapter 7 and Chapter 8, and we'll read verse 8, it's kind of another opening verse, or chapter 8, verse uh, 10, and it says in chapter 8, verse 10, when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. I like this story. Uh, this lady here, she was caught in adultery. Um, she was in the, the very action of it and, and um, was grabbed. I don't know who's, how she was at or where she was at, but the religious leaders must have come in and, and said no, and with great humiliation, hauled her down the street. And I just wonder... What went through those guys' mind? That they were so righteous and so above that, that they felt their actions of public humility and what they were doing and dragging somebody down the street, and not only just dragging them down the street, but bringing them to a teacher who they found offensive. So they didn't like Jesus. They wanted to challenge Jesus. So they weren't just bringing somebody before what they thought was judgment although we know who Jesus really is, Almighty God. But they just saw him as somebody that they could challenge. And so they, little did they know they were bringing her before the ultimate judge. But in their mind, they were so righteous and full of self and drug her down, brought her out, and plucked her right before Jesus. And then began to talk to him 
about Moses' law. And who is the one that took Moses up on the mountain and gave him the Ten Commandments and instructed Moses and gave Moses wisdom on how to lead the people? And, and, and they begin to unknowingly instruct God. <laughs> and they did not have a full, not only did they not know who Jesus is, but they didn't even grasp the mercy that comes with the law. And so Jesus stood there that day and, and He told them, He who is without sin cast the first stone. And He sat there and He rode in the dirts and people preach about what did Jesus write? What did He scribe there that day? Not many people actually probably could write and so it is that Jesus was writing and they would be looking at that. But, um, but as He stood there then He said, He who is without sin cast the first stone stone and there's something about the word of God when it goes out it pricks the heart when God speaks to you it's not just words that echo but it comes in and it catches you right here and and uh, I shared with the team this morning that I felt like God just kind of poked on me to be grateful now some of you maybe somebody could come by and you're going through some whatever and and they say you just need to be grateful you're like who are you to tell me that? But when God does that, all of a sudden it catches you. And you're like, the same exact words that catch you. And it changes everything. And you don't know how to tell somebody that a word that you've read tons of times, a scripture, a passage, or a message you've heard, but at that moment the word of God comes in and it pierces the heart. It's that two-edged sword and it comes in and it speaks to you in volumes and and you try to tell people, you're like, so I, I feel like for the first time I saw these scriptures. And when I say that to you, you might be like, well, you've been preaching to us for several years. <laughs> what do you mean for the first time you saw scripture? Uh, I, I, sometimes I literally feel like, God, I'm just starting to get to know you just a tad. Um, or I, I, this word, I didn't, why, how did I not understand this before? And, and it's, it's amazing how the word comes in. And so when God speaks, it changes. And when Jesus spoke that day, he spoke to them. And he said, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. And then he told her, where are your accusers? And she didn't see them. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Mm. The humiliation she had just been put through, all the stress, the the. The shame, the, they, they placed that on her. She clearly hadn't approached Jesus herself. She, she hadn't said, hey, I think I need to change my ways. But they ensured that she understood just how terrible of a person she was. Public humiliation. Drug her before Jesus. And yet Jesus' words came and they said, they said, where are your accusers? How liberating the, the Spirit of God when it comes in and, and it says an accusation that has trumped your mind and hits you time after time and the adversary of your soul, Satan, has, has spoke to you and accused you. He's the accuser of the brethren and he's, he's made accusation and it's pierced you day after day and then God just pushes him away with his words and, and the preached word goes forth and then he says, and then he can say to you, where's your accusers? And all of a sudden, all that condemnation, it's gone. It's stripped away. It's, you don't, you're like, I, I know I'm a guilty person, but I don't feel it. I feel free. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What's some other reasons I like this story? Jesus, a few chapters before, he met another lady at the well. And this lady at the well, when he met her, and, and he's talking to her, and he's, she'd been married five times, and uh, the man she's with right now is not her husband, and, and she's like a Samaritan, and he's not supposed to be associated with her, and she knows all the racial issues going on, and she's like, uh, why are you talking to me? People don't talk to me. First off, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan, and also my condition. I'm, there's a reason I'm here at noon. I'm not here with the rest of the ladies. I'm kind of ostracized. I'm an outcast, and... And, 
And Jesus asks her for a drink of water, and she's kind of like, huh? And then he begins to speak into her life. He says, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink. He's at a well here with her. And, and if you knew some of the Old Testament stories, it was at a well where guys met girls. It was a, a place where uh, um, Jacob met his wife, and, and uh, Isaac's wife uh, uh, was met by Isaac's, well, Abraham's servant at a well, and, and Moses met his wife at a well, and wells where you would meet somebody. Um, today, uh, for our young people, maybe they go to youth camp, or <laughs> we don't have any of the Bible college students in here, but Bible college, <laughs> and uh, uh, I think they used to call ABI Apostolic Bridal Institute. Um, uh, why? Because there was places in life where people go meet people, and they hold events, and why people are looking for a spouse, well, you would meet them at a well, and Jesus comes to a well, and he meets this lady, and, and, and then he tells her, you'd ask me a drink of water, and then he begins to tell her the time's going to come. He tells her about her condition, and he tells her that there's going to be a time when they worship in spirit and in truth. And Jesus, in that moment, was giving her a spiritual proposal, so to speak, or betrothal, saying, hey, you know what, I'm going to pour out my spirit. And on the cross, blood and water flowed out His side. And on the day of Pentecost, He poured out His Spirit, fulfilling what He spoke to her at the well about. And in this passage, He meets another woman caught in adultery. And just verses before, at the end of chapter 7, we see that Jesus comes in and He comes into Jerusalem and he, and he comes into Jerusalem, and it says in verse 37, chapter 7, he says, In the, the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Ha! Ah, back to the well. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture saith, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And verse 39 lets us know that he was speaking of the Spirit. And just a few verses later, another woman is drugged before him. This one, he's not telling her about her condition, uh, that she's like, how would you know about my condition? Instead, her condition's laid out of him, in front of him. And the living water says... He speaks freedom, and He speaks truth, and He speaks liberty. And He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Oh, feel those words echo into your soul. Neither does He condemn you. Oh, the way, the truth, and the life has come. Hallelujah. We worship You, Jesus. We praise You. Jesus spoke truth and He let her know that she could be free. Freedom is yours today to have it. You did not earn your freedom. You did not buy your freedom. You could not free yourself from condemnation. But Almighty God did this. And that freedom had to be purchased God who is pure and holy. And when we were separated Him by sin, let us know that the way that something has to die because sin separates and God is life. And when we, when we rebel against God, we're separating ourselves from life. And so something has to die. And the very author of life said, I will be the one to die. And so if you choose to, to accept my offer to purchase your freedom, I've purchased it. And it's yours. It's yours to have. And someone today sits here and wrestles with whether they want to continue to accept the freedom that God has purchased you. You bring self-condemnation and you beat up on yourself. And that's what that lady could do that day. She could beat up on herself. But when you wrestle with whether you want to receive God's freedom or not, 
And when you reject His liberty and you walk back from it, you are taking charge of your own soul. And when you are in charge, you cannot tame yourself. But sin comes back and it reigns in your body and you are now subject to sin and, and you can't save yourself. But if you will return and submit yourself to God and say, God, you purchased my freedom and I bow my head and I, I submit myself to you and I, I, I give you my humility, Lord. I recognize that you're in charge. He will be your freedom. So, saint of God, do not walk out on the one who purchased your freedom. Don't say, I'm not good enough. Of course you're not good enough. That's not what it's about. Don't say I've messed up too many times. But hear the words of Jesus, go and sin no more. And if you happen to fall tomorrow and do wrong tomorrow, wake up and go and sin no more. Hear Him. Hear Him because as long as there's breath in your lungs, there's a Savior who purchased your freedom. So in chapter 8 here, Jesus begins to speak more and He begins to be challenged and, and they begin to challenge Him and, and needle Him. And Jesus in response as He's discussing with them, we won't go through all the dialogue, but it comes on the tale of Him setting her free. Jesus then singles out in the crowd. He's got all these challengers in front of Him. And He says in verse 31, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on Him, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, mm. and the truth shall make you free. I, I highlight things in verses, they stand out to me. One thing right away, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. You need to believe, and it's your choice to believe. You can refuse to believe. But it is not enough just to believe. We talk about obedient faith. Noah had obedient faith and he built an ark to the saving of his family. You know what? God told him exacting details how to build that boat for salvation. And when he built it, he built it into those exacting details. Trust me. If you were Noah and you honestly believe that the earth was going to be destroyed by a flood, of which you had never seen before. Looking backwards after the flood, you would be so glad that before you believed the words of God and didn't say, that was a great plan you laid out there, God, but let's modify it a little bit. How about two doors? It'd be really nice if when that boat lands and me and Miss Noah have had a fight that she could leave by one door and I could leave by the other because that's going to be a long time on that boat, right? She might want a separate door. Plus, we'll feel independent of each other, right? No. No. Wait, could we add another floor? I know they're adults, but they're still our kids, and frankly, two floors between us would be great. Yeah. No. You build it to exacting details. You follow it. You follow through with it. And that boat had turmoil. It didn't have lights placed in it. There was no generator. It had water hitting it. It was, they went through darkness and turmoil and stench. It's better to work out your salvation with fear and trembling within the body of Christ, within the church, and deal with the things that come, the frustration, because we all still have a flesh than to not make it. Follow the Scripture in the exacting detail of God. So we talk about obedient faith because you can acknowledge God. But Jesus said to those Jews which believed on Him, if you continue, if you will continue, meaning you need to, believing is faith in action. And when you believe, you need to obey and put into action. Believing isn't just an acknowledgement. But he follows with that with the word continue. 
You must continue. Do this. Follow this. Love this. Pursue after it. Why? You know, when we read the book of Job, we see all of Job's suffering, and we see all of his, his uh, uh, boils that are on him. We see that whole discussion. But at the end of the book of Job, you sometimes overlook the fact that he's still in the city dump with his boils. Because Job doesn't talk about them. Why? He says he's seen God. And he now turns your viewpoint to see God. He no longer sees these things. And it's amazing because you see his problems and you're like, wow, that's terrible. It is. It's horrible. I've never suffered like that. But yet when we see God... Oh, we talked about it with Isaiah. When Isaiah, in the year that King Uzziah died, saw the Lord high and lifted up, he saw God. When you see Him, those Jews which believed on Him were seeing Jesus. And they had a fixation. And it reminds me of Peter walking on the water. When he saw the water, he began to sink. But when he saw Jesus... Oh, those Jews which believed on Him when they saw Him. When we talk about submit yourselves therefore to God, we see Jesus. So those Jews which believed on Him, if you continue, see Jesus. Get your eyes back on Jesus. Continue in His Word. Oh, everything's got to be based on this. Any spiritual movement that you have, any vision, any prophetic word, oh, it's anything that's come down in history must line up with this. Just because you had a good moment. Oh, Paul warned us of himself or an angel from heaven. An angel from heaven. Preach any other gospel unto you. Let him be accursed. Oh, it's got to be out of this. You could be visited by an angel. And if that angel didn't line up with the Word, continue in Jesus' instruction. Follow it. Love it. See it. Pursue after it. Then are ye His disciples indeed. That's what makes you a follower is a continuer. It's when it's rough and when it's high. Uh, we heard a message just a while back about when we're weak, we're made strong. And it's not about how you view yourself, it's about who you are in Jesus Christ. Who you are in Jesus Christ. And so when you're down, sometimes you think, well, wait a minute, can I follow God? When you're up, okay, I can follow God. But no, you follow Him through the valley and on top of the mountain. And when you can see Him, when you can't, when you're grouchy, when it's hard, when everything's beautiful, you're following Jesus. You are His disciples. I'm following Jesus. Oh, let's do that together. Oh, brothers and sisters, let's follow Jesus. Let's give Him a hand clap. Oh, let's make our commitment to follow Him, to pursue after Him. Let's solidify that into our lives. And He says, what's going to come out of that? If you'll follow Jesus, we get a lot of confusion in life, and a lot of people are confused about God. You know what they've already done? They stopped following him. And he says, and you shall know the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the truth shall make you free. Shall make you free. Verse 36 says, if the Son, therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Freedom. Liberty. Freedom. But then Jesus warned us right before that in verse 34. He said, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And I would ask you today, what would you do with your freedom. 1 Corinthians, we read a couple verses here. One was, but take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to them that are weak. And then we read, all things are lawful unto me. Jesus, let us know whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. Before I move too quickly on, hear me. One more time, the liberty 
that Jesus Christ brings is yours to have. And these scriptures, even Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, weren't just written for those who have never met Jesus so that they might believe. But it's written to you, his disciples, that you might continue to believe and that you would know Jesus the way those first Christians, those first followers had experienced him and knew him. And so these words are to you as well. Jesus has liberty for you, and he's reminding you today, just like when he stood on the shore and Peter had gone back to fishing, you know, that apostle who preached that great day of Pentecost, when he, called, he, he stood on the shore and asked him if they had any meat, and he told them to cast off to the other side, if they had any fish, and cast off. And, and John turned to Peter and, he, and, and said, it's the Lord, and Peter swam back, and Jesus asked him if he loved him and said, feed my sheep. Jesus went back after Peter. And Jesus has come on my door and knocked on it many different times and has come back asking me, will you love me? Will you follow me? Because I get to go in this way or that direction. Or he gives me a gentle rebuke. And, and he's, he's been so kind to pursue my soul and, and to let me know I've been in some pretty low places. I've been in places where I, I believed the lie of the enemy and, and, and thought there was nothing left for me. And is it possible for me to sit on a church pew? Oh, we believed some tremendous lies. And yet God reaches through that and he exposes his grace in ways we never understood. And in turn, we can look at somebody else and say his grace is for Because sometimes we were self-righteous and we thought, look at their sin over there. Wow, they're, they're not very good. Yeah, and we put people down because they didn't do it our way. Or we see they're struggling and they're suffering. And we fall back like the, the, some of the Jews would. And they were like, who sinned, them or their, their, their parents? How did they get in that condition? <laughs> Thankfully, I'm not that way. Let's visit in with... Someone earlier here tonight, or today, not tonight, we're accelerating the day a little too quickly. Um, earlier, about the car. You know what, I grew up with car problems. <laughs> Remember dad working out late at night on the carburetor, trying to figure things out. Oh, Lord, I hope nobody at church said, I wonder who sinned in that household that the carburetor didn't work. <laughs> What happened with their car? Why can't they pay their bills? The blessings of God must not be on their life. They must have sinned. No, 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 no. You pray. You say, God, provide. And then you, God, showed, God showed his provision in those struggles. I would not have understood them. And then I wouldn't be able to look at somebody else and say, oh, God, you know how you did for us, and you know where I'm at today. I know you had us then, and you have me now. And I remember what you did for my dad, and you're going to do it for me. And I need you to do it for my brother, and I need you to do it for my sister. And then when you're in a, a place, and you're like, you know, God, things have been going well, and, and I haven't felt that stress and all that. Give God glory. Thank Him for when He brings you through. And thank Him for when He has you in those other places. Go ahead, give Him some worship. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I refuse to look yet I want to see the grace of God in everything if God chooses to come and expose a need or sin in my life let him do it but I'm going to worship him I'm going to praise him and I'm going to go ahead and pray for God's blessings on your life and, and encourage you that he's going to bring you through oh I refuse to give the enemy credit I refuse to give sin credit but I will worship the king and I'll let him shape me and I'll let him mold me oh thank you Jesus for your mercy your mercy who am I to look at struggle that I go through and look at that and, 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 and think, oh man, and separate myself from God. How do I, how do I put this today? I, I could look and say, okay, oh God, he's, he's not in struggle. If God allows me to go through struggle, even struggle that I brought about because of my own choices, God's still there. And I'm going to give him glory because he's going to make me more in his image out of the struggle, out of the condition. So what 
will you do with your freedom? There's a question that I have. Jesus told the woman, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. You see, when you sin, you return back to the bondage of sin. And we could read scripture on that today that you're the servant of sin. And when you're the servant of sin, you'll do the works of sin. And why would you go back to sin? You must make resolute in your mind that you are not going to be the slave of sin. So many times when you read that servant in the New Testament, it's slave. Now, I know slavery in our country, we have different things that come into our connotation or mindset. But the one thing you must understand, when you're a slave, you are owned by. Servanthood makes us maybe think of a black suit with a white towel. And we're like, may I serve you today? And they come by and they pour you your cup of water and they set your food in front of you and they take care of you. And then the servant, he leaves the restaurant and gets paid his paycheck. And when he's done serving, and maybe we think of England or something and we think of Royalty that had servants, and the servants would come. Well, then the servants had servant quarters, or the servants went, and they received a paycheck as well. And, and it's noble that that person served you all their life, and how great. And some of you, what maybe that you enjoy films or books or something from those time periods. No, 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 no. This is slave. This is your owned by. Paul lets us know that he made himself a willing slave of God, a bond slave. What was that? You went over to the doorpost and you said, you know what, I know that I have my freedom, but I'm yours. And you'd put your ear on that doorpost and the one you were committing to would put a hole through your ear and it would be a mark on you saying, hey, he has willingly made himself to be a slave. He's not walking out on this. He's, he's yours. And so you'd see these great apostles, whether it be in the book of Revelation or other places, they would refer to themselves as a slave of God, a willing servant or a willing slave. I have signed up for this, and I'm wholeheartedly dedicated and committed. Where do you want me? And you can just see in the apostles, they look to Jesus and I'm yours, and I'll go through whatever struggle. Peter, you're going to be hung upside down and crucified. I'll go. I'm yours. I'll feed your sheep. Paul, why are you going to Jerusalem? They're going to arrest you. I've got to go. I've got to get to Rome. I've got to go. But we know what will happen. The Spirit of God told us. I know. And that's confirmation. I'm going. I want to be there. But vice versa, you can make yourself a slave to sin. So don't sin. What are you going to do in your freedom? Are you going to choose to go back and to sin, God forbid. God forbid. Back in 1 Corinthians, verse 12, we're going to highlight this again here just a little bit more. He says, all things are lawful unto me. But as you go down then, Paul writing, he talks about fornication and sin against the body. He says in verse 18, flee fornication. He's telling the church this. He's warning them the things that will snare you back in and loop you in and suck you in and, and you can do this on the internet in a virtual world and you're sinning. And then verse 19 he says, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you which ye have of God and ye are not your own for you've been bought with a price therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. He tells us to flee fornication. Don't enter into sin. You are special. You are purchased. Purchased. You can have the liberty of Jesus Christ and make the choice to go back and be a slave of sin. What will you do with your liberty? What will you do with your freedom? But there's some other things in this passage that I want to bring out in these 1 Corinthians 6 and 1 Corinthians 8. Verse 12 said, All things are lawful unto me. 
This phrase right here, he says, all things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. This phrase, all things are lawful unto me, the Corinthians had, a, had some phrases that they liked to say, some slogans. We have slogans in, in our country today, and, and uh, freedom isn't free, and, and, and uh, slogans are great for advertisement, right? And so you, you see slogans, and slogans remind me sometimes a bit of Proverbs. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. It's a thing that sticks in your head, and, and you see it, and and so you begin to think of different proverbs or different phrases that stick in your mind. And I don't want to fully equate slogans to proverbs because when we read the proverbs, we're meant to store them in us and to, to abide by them. But phrases can be abused. Slogans can be abused. You can even abuse a proverb. And so they would say, all things are lawful unto me. Um, they would say things like, we know that we all have knowledge. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. We could read 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4. It says, we know that an idol is nothing in the world. These were slogans of the Corinthians. They would say them. And they'd say them in church. And they'd say, oh, brother, we know that an idol is nothing in the world. And then when we were discussing things, Sister Dana, we would say, you know what? All things are lawful for me. Why? Because the Corinthians, unlike the Galatians, had this understanding that we have liberty in Jesus Christ. We have freedom and we don't have to go back and practice all the different rituals and the things in the law that, that they, and, and do everything like that was. But, but there's been freedom and liberty purchased at the cross and, and, our, and they understood how their salvation came about. And so they would say, all things are lawful to me. One thing that many of the Corinthians understood is is that they would look over at the other Gentiles, and the other Gentiles were offering up sacrifices in their temples. And, and I said they offered sacrifices. They'd, they'd have a sacrifice, or they'd have some meat that they were going to offer up to the God and, of that temple, and, and, and they would set that aside. Of course, nothing would happen to that meat, and, and then that meat would get sold, and, and, and meat was a precious commodity. It's expensive, but you could maybe get a good deal on some meat, and you could have some good meat here. And so, you come into church and you've been saved and Sister Dana just gets into church and, and God fills her with his spirit and she's just come out of that lifestyle in that world. And she looks over and she sees Sister Nancy and Sister Nancy is like, I got a good deal on some meat that was offered up to Artemis. This is great stuff. She's like, what? She's like, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And Sister Daniel's like, that was offered up to an idol. What are you doing? And Sister Nancy says, all things are lawful unto me. I can eat that meat. I'm good to go. Well, in this particular case, in and of itself, Sister Nancy is right. I can eat that meat. I'm not worshiping Artemis. There is no way I'm worshiping her and eating that meat and, and any of those things. I'm, I'm good to go. My Christian liberty has set me free. I see now clearly. And, and Sister Dana's brand new. She doesn't get that. Sister Nancy over here is not using her Christian liberty to return to sin. That's not, not like we were talking earlier. She's not going back into sin. She's, 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 she's doing what she's like. I get what Jesus has done in my life. I'm free. I've got liberty. Freedom. Paul here, in hitting or talking on this, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1, he says, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are ye not my work in the gospel? Are ye not an apostle? If, if, if I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you for the seal of mine apostleship. Are you in the Lord? He says, I'm an apostle. Am I not free? And he's reaching in. He's saying, if anybody has freedom and liberty and Christian liberty, it's me. But he wants to know, what will you do with your freedom? We all have knowledge. All things are lawful unto me. And then Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, but all things are not expedient 
All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, where he said, where he repeated their slogan back to them, we know that we all have knowledge. He then says, knowledge puffeth up, but charity, or better translated, I think, for our understanding, love edifieth. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, and he knoweth nothing yet, as he ought to know, but if any man love God, the same is known of him. You see, in your liberty, in your freedom, you have a choice of what you're going to do with your freedom. That's why he says in verse 4, As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things which are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world. It's their slogan out. And that there is none other God but one. He's not denying that an idol is nothing. And he's not denying the freedom that we had. All things are lawful. He says, but here there's none other God but one. For though we are all called gods, whether in heaven or earth, and as there be gods, and, but to us there is but one God and the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom all things, and we by him. Verse 7, he says, though, how be it, there is not in every man the knowledge for some with the conscience of idols unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. So, Sister Nancy, you have this scriptural grasp. Sister Dana does not. What are you going to do with your liberty? Are you going to come over and say, oh, I can eat this, I can do this? What are you going to do with it? Paul tells them about, in chapter 9, that he's an apostle. And one of the things he says to him in verse 9 of chapter 9, he says, For it is written in the law of Moses, Shalt thou not muzzle the ox, the mouth of the ox that treadeth on the corn? Doth God not take care of oxen? Or saith he altogether for our sakes? I just want to retouch on this real quick for you. Paul addresses this in 2 Corinthians as well. And he's talking about giving. But here, you know what he tells them? He says, I'm your apostle. And I had the freedom. You know what freedom Paul had? He had the freedom to say, I've been feeding you the word of God and working amongst you, so I should be able to reap from that by you guys paying for my food, giving me shelter, tithing. You should be, you should be helping the ministry out. Do you know what Paul then did? I've chosen not to take your money to provide. Why? Because he sensed amongst the congregation that they had a problem and that they felt like they maybe owned Paul a little bit and that they could accuse him and, and, and they could go after him. And, and so he says in verse 18, he says, What is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, may, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge. I did not demand payment that I abuse not my power in the gospel. Now, I'm not telling you not to tithe today. That's scriptural. I'm not telling you not to take care of ministry. That's scriptural. Paul spoke of it as scripture. But he said what he was telling them there that day is we're in a situation here in Corinth. And sensing the situation, he, Paul, of all people, had the right to demand that this is how it should work out. But in his Christian liberty, in the freedom that he had, in the position that he had, he said, even me in my situation... Sensing the conditions, I have not demanded what could have been my right. So what are you going to do, Sister Nancy, with Sister Dana's situation? Are you going to say, it's my right, it's my freedom? Or are you going to step up? And are you, I, I tell this with my kids, are you going to be the boss of yourself? And what are you, because you have another choice with your liberty. And you can choose to give it up. Not to sin, but for the cause of Christ. And so the newbie in church, you could say, you know what, I'm not going to eat that meat offered to idols because I'm going to cause her to stumble and she's going to sin and I don't want to do that. What are you going to do with your liberty? You can say, you, you can start to take this and this is where I want to get you at because there's a fine line where here we're not sinning and here we are. Because arrogance has a way of getting in and it, it starts to corrupt us a bit. And we face choices and we say, well, I have every right to watch those things. 
I have every right to eat whatever I want and I can go to these places and suddenly you've been consumed and made your liberty a God. And you don't see Jesus anymore. Or you could be like Paul and you could say, you know what, I'm willingly giving it up. Because there's a cause of Christ here. And my reward is that I'm delivering the gospel. And I'm lifting him up. And, and, and I was speaking to my children the other day. And we were just talking about picking things up. And you know what? When one kid leaves something on the floor right here, should the other kid have to come pick up their stuff? No. You didn't make your mess. If you ate at the table and you left your plate on the table... And, and you just get up and walk away unless we've assigned the duty out for somebody else to clear the table. It's your plate to pick up. And if you go, I'm not picking up my plate today, and you walk away. Is it the duty? Is it fair for any other child to have to clean that plate up because you made the mess and chose to leave it? No. And parents can come in and say, I don't want any other child cleaning up the plates. If you left the mess, you pick it up. Is it right? For one kid to mess their room up and for another kid to have to clean it? No, that's not fair and it's not right. The same is, is if you walk down this aisleway and you drop your trash on the floor. Is it right for me to have to follow up or anybody else and pick up that trash after you? It's not fair. It's not right. And in your liberty, you shouldn't have to do that. But you know what you can say to yourself? You can say today... It's my right and liberty to not pick that up. But I have made a decision that I am going to go ahead and I'm telling self I'm going to pick the trash up. I'm telling self, Sister Nancy, that I'm not going to eat this meat that was offered up to Artemis that I got a good deal on because, because Sister Dana over here is going to go through a struggle. Let me take it further. I'm telling self today that I'm going to go ahead and there's some things that just became the weights of life and the busyness of life and I'm going to shed some of those things so I can better grow in Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell self today that there's some things that I don't even have a scriptural understanding of, but it's a good way to live and it's been preached and so I'm going to follow after it even though I think my Christian liberty I, I, I think says I could do differently. Why? Because I'm going ahead and I'm taking my liberty and I'm saying, God, I'm going to go ahead and I'm choosing to take my liberty to give up having liberty in every situation and aspect of life. You know what that'll do for you? It brings humility. It brings servanthood. It brings serving one another. And it sets you free. And it makes you now having grasped a hold of yourself. This is why we sometimes fast. In fasting, what are we doing? We're denying ourselves. And so Christian liberty, you can get the slogans out. First off, I warn you in the freedom that God has delivered you from from sin... Go and sin no more. But I also pull on you today because there's a wide world over here of stuff that you're smorgasbord. And you get to choose how many plates of food you're going to take away. What you're going to do with your time today. And some of those things you need to do, they're good and healthy. And some other things you're going to give up for a brother, for a sister, or for your growth in Jesus Christ, or for the cause of the kingdom. Go ahead and be willing. Could we stand to our feet? Be willing to take your freedom and to let it go. Not as a slave of sin, but as a slave of Jesus Christ. Sure, it's my right. Sure, I have the right to speak back. Sure, I don't have to take that off of them. Sure, I can let them know exactly who I am. You know, Paul, when he was thrown in prison... And they sang praises at midnight and they were all set free. He was a Roman citizen. And Paul and Silas could have stepped up in that moment and Paul could have said, I'm a Roman citizen, what are you doing? But in that moment, and I'm not asking anybody to go to prison right now, okay, please don't mistake that I took this example for beatings on the back. But he could have used it in that moment and never suffered those stripes. But instead he sensed even in that moment, that extreme moment, that there's something else here. And he went to prison with his mouth shut. Jesus did this on the cross. They accused him and he kept his mouth shut as he approached the cross. Can we do any less with our liberty when somebody says a stinging word and, and the Spirit of God says, you don't need to use your liberty right now. Close the mouth. 
You don't need to talk back right now. I'm talking to myself here. Close the mouth. What will you do with your liberty? Some of you felt some things today. Go ahead, close your eyes and raise your hands. Raise them up towards heaven or hold them out in front of you or clasp them together, whatever you feel like, but just begin to talk to him. God, I want to humble myself before you. I want to see you in your greatness and I want to be thankful and grateful for the salvation and the hope that you brought me. I submit my knee to you. And God, I want you to lead me. And I'm willing to give up liberty when it's the right place to give up liberty for the cause of the kingdom because I want to serve you. And oh God, just like you following your example and following the examples of those who, who followed after you, God, I want to submit my knee. Even though I could look and say it's all mine and my right to have, I'm not out here to display all the blessings you poured out on me. But I'm here to bring people to you and to give you glory and to bring you honor and to lift you up. Oh God, I don't want to, in enjoying all the pleasures and riches of your glory, enjoying them even here on the earth, be then led away because I was more fixated on your blessings and less on the God of the blessings. I don't want to be more fixated on the blessings and cause and to overlook somebody's salvation. And if I would just give up some of these blessings, God, and rather to serve somebody else. Oh God, I ask you to use us today. Help us to understand our liberty in you. Not to abuse it, but to use it for your glory and to use our liberty to give up liberty because we're your slaves, we're your servants, and we give you all the glory and the honor and all of our love and our worship and praise. Go ahead, love him. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. What will you do with your liberty? I choose to follow Jesus with it. What will you do with your freedom? I want to be like him, and I want to reach somebody else. God bless you. Have a great day, and we'll see you here in, in 10 minutes for worship.